Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. So good to be with you. And today our theme and topic is culture and team building. Culture and team building. Uh, this is the primary, uh, perhaps the most important work of leadership that is building a healthy culture and team uh, out of which the whole ministry is done. And this is one of my you know, favorite topics. I, I just, I, it's, such, it's so central and key to building healthy ministries and churches. And so, again, the thesis of the uh, Emotionally Healthy Leader book, which many of you have studied, is that your inner life uh, is what's going to determine and inform all your outer work of, a, of leadership. So your inner life, we broke it down into face your shadow in previous podcasts and lead out of your marriage or singleness, slow down for lo- loving union and practice Sabbath delight. And these uh, pillars or pilings we talked about and like in building a skyscraper must go deep into your inner life because they're going to inform how you do things like build a culture and build a healthy team. Uh, so we're talking really here about the integration of a deep spirituality into the work of leadership uh, related to culture and team building. So there's just so much to talk about in this in this topic. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to use a, the basic outline of the uh, what's written there in the Emotionally Healthy Leader chapter on culture and team building, but I really want to expand on it, give lots of examples, and then deal with five FAQs that consistently uh, emerge in my discussion with leaders. So culture is again, as, as we as we can describe it, is it's 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 challenging to to define because it's like it consists of these unspoken rules of the way that we do things around there around here, and so uh, you know it's that imprecise something, it's that invisible presence or personality of a place that can be difficult to describe without actually experience it. It's actually it's more often felt. Uh, than articulated. And so think of ethnic communities, countries, political groups, uh, churches, denominations, uh, parachurch ministries have cultures. Every church, every ministry within that church, every task force and team, every ministry has a certain style that constitutes the, the spirit or culture of that particular subgroup. And so that's why as leaders, in the name of Jesus, we're so intentional about taking the chaos of what people bring into uh, our churches and ministries as they come from different families and backgrounds, and we're shaping a, a new culture here in, in, in the new family of Jesus, and easier said than done. So for years, for, uh, as a leader and as a pastor, I, I was unaware of the importance and centrality of culture. I had values. very I knew values were very important, as was vision. So we had values like bridging racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers, and the poor and marginalized, and the Holy Spirit, and uh, prayer, and God's heart for the lost, etc. And, and uh, you know, we would list those values and try to live them out. I was very big on, we were big on church planting and evangelism, but we were overly active, and my emotional immaturity was such, uh, and my own awareness that uh, we were consistently rushing, uh, and under my leadership, there was an inner chaos inside of me that spilled out naturally into the larger uh, church. And like in many ministries, our rhetoric that we spoke was better than our reality that we lived. And who we were when 
you know, I, I took on the, the the evangelical charismatic church culture, kind of looking for revival, kind of revivalism in American culture, American church history, and you know, I just I, I was a part of that larger culture without even thinking about it. And uh, again, just think of yourself. I know some of you are listening from you know different countries. I was with someone who's ministering in Ethiopia, and then recently in Kenya and Brazil, Peru, you know, Germany, Switzerland, Singapore, Australia. We 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 sometimes unconsciously take on so much of a of the country culture in the church culture. I like what one Ghanaian uh, PhD said to me, professor. He talked to he's from Ghana, so his perspective was obviously unique looking at American Christianity. And he talked about the Americanization of Christianity and that we were just so blind to how much of American culture, at least in our context here, was in our churches. So uh, but let's go a bit, you know, deeper and wider on this thing, because we are called to be a counterculture uh, as the Church of Jesus Christ. And so let's say, for example, and uh, these are all live examples, in a church where there was the, the leader, the lead pastor of quite a large church, just avoided pain and conflict. And just try to imagine, and this was uh, what that did to the staff team over a period of 10, 12, 15 years of avoiding conflict and pain. And the residue of that, relationally, ministry effectiveness-wise, uh, camaraderie, excitement, enthusiasm. Uh, another large uh, movement of churches that I was with recently, they talked about uh, their suspicion of outside ministries. They had grown up in the 70s, time of uh, immersion in the 70s, a time of you know, rebellion against authority, and but now here it is, you know, 40 years later, and they're acknowledging the fact they have a culture which is not very open to learning, uh, even from very other, you know, Christian groups, uh, don't rarely invite outside speakers, they invite, they had invited, invited me to come in, and actually, because they were very much into team and not into one leader, they developed a plurality of leadership, and as a result, there was a kind of a lack of accountability, and they were seen if you brought up something negative, that perhaps you were a negative person. So people just didn't bring up negative things. And so someone was ineffective in leadership, even you know, if, um, if they weren't sinning, the sinning they, they would confront it. But if you weren't sinning and you were not doing a good job with those preaching or your role, nobody would say anything. This kind of went on and on. And, uh, you know, and another, I think another cultural, uh, you know, church ministry, large church ministry, where it's the Sunday experience that needs to be excellent. Uh, high quality, that's the focus. But in terms of the rest of the Monday to Saturday you know, development of people on their uh, leadership team, uh, quality of those teams, uh, quality of supervision, uh, they didn't put the time and energy and work into that. It was primarily the, you know, getting that weekend experience to be high level. And again, I've been in church cultures that were much like a corporation, uh, very much committed to a level of excellence. Uh, however, that excellence had crossed over into perfectionism and performance-oriented of almost, uh, you know, a law wasn't not very broken, but actually almost, you know, a commitment to the beautiful people, you know, at least being the visible ones. And again, just had gotten off some other biblical values over time. And, uh, and I can have another ministry I've worked with and where the pace of the point person of this parachurch ministry was so fast and so unsustainable for the larger parachurch, uh, even though they're serving wide numbers of churches, that it, their culture is 
um, hurting, it's minimizing their impact uh, because they're not living the very values that they're preaching and talking about. And again, we're talking about it, but it's a great challenge for them moving forward of how do we build a healthy culture and team here? And in particular, it has to do with, in that case, the, the point leader making some shifts. I think the people around him can see it pretty clearly. He sees it, but not. But what it's going to take to make some changes internally, he's just beginning those steps. And so, again, there, there's such a gap often, I find, between what we say are our values of the culture that of the ministry or church that we are leading and the actual reality of what is. And uh, so I want to invite you to get a hold of that ebook. It's a free ebook that we offer called um, Church Culture Matters, Six Marks of a Church Culture That Deeply Changes Lives. And you can pick it up for free at emotionallyhealthy.org slash churchculture. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash churchculture. And it just lays out, if you've not seen it, uh, a vision of a church culture. Uh, because I believe you do need a, a, a certain church culture to really do deep discipleship and multiply uh, disciples and leaders for the long term. So this issue of culture has large implications in every area of life. So, um, you know, I had a person who was on our staff for 10 years, and he wrote me a little email about, you know, Pete, I think this is the culture I picked up of 10 years of being around you know, emotional healthy discipleship and new life over the years I was on staff. And he said, it's kind of the air that's breathed. And, and here's how he mar- it, you know, noted it. And he said it was authenticity and brokenness, pursuit and contemplation, reality and integrity, grace and openness, presence and incarnation, joy, mystery, rhythms, seasons. And uh, those were his, and I added, initiative learner, uh, that everyone on, on leadership in particular would take initiative and is a learner. Uh, that's the culture which wants to be growing and learning from other sources to mature uh, in their leadership. So we, we want, I think, I want to say one thing I want you to take home here from this uh, building healthy cultures and teams is that we want to be the culture. That's number one, that we want to transmit. We want to be it. We want to embody it in our lives that everything you're doing uh, is, for your, even your own development, is culture making uh, for, in, in your leadership. So I want to take the four essentials to an emotionally healthy church culture or emotionally healthy culture and team, uh, and I want to expand on them, all right? Now, these are found in the in the leader book, but uh, let me take them one by one and give examples of what that looks like, all right? So the first is this, that the first essential, if you're going to build a healthy culture and team, that, that you see that, number one, that work and personal formation cannot be separated, that when you think of a person's task— and then you think about their inner life, their formation in Jesus. You must think you must hold them together. They they are inseparable, because if you're if the if the leader volunteered or paid, uh, they may be skilled, but if they're not transformed, uh, it's going to lead to their team that they're developing being minimally transformed, and then their ministry long term and other people is going to be minimal transformation. Minimally transformed leaders lead to minimally transformed teams leads to minimally transformed, uh, you know, ministry. And that we, we, we project out of who we are is what we, you know, bring to those around us. And in every uh, leadership uh, team and culture, people's family of origin, unresolved stuff is going to emerge. Uh, it's going to come up over time. 
whether it's their whether it's their view of authority or how they deal with anger and conflict. But the crucible of leadership is going to bring up issues of their inner life, uh, and it's all material for their formation and discipleship. And that's why we're concerned both for their skill, their, their ability to do their role that you've got, whether paid or unpaid in the church, whether it's leading a children's ministry, whether it's youth, whether it's choir, whether it's head of the worship team or preaching, and their inner life uh, and their growth in Jesus. And uh, so let me give you a little example of this. And uh, we, there was a fellow, and there is a fellow in a church, and he first came in that uh, he was raised in a Christian family uh, and actually went to a church, went to church since his mother's womb, being in his mom's womb. And he was a pastor for 20 years in a variety of mega churches and led large children's ministries uh, with over a thousand kids in some of these churches. And, but through a series of circumstances, ended up back in New York City and came into New Life Fellowship as a member. Uh, got involved as a volunteer, and he started experiencing uh, some of the things that we do in emotionally healthy discipleship, taking courses, classes, etc. And eventually, uh, you know, came on staff as as an intern, and uh, he's presently the, the children's pastor. But what's he's, and he's still in his process. But it's very interesting because when he first began to explore, uh, at this point, he wasn't even an intern yet, um, and he had to be an intern before he would ever come on staff because. He may have been incredibly gifted as a children's pastor, but the culture of who we were, he didn't have. So, for example, we began to look into you know, how are you shaped by your family of origin. So uh, he was actually a marriage group that we were leading. And so there was like a chart of Ten Commandments. And he was asked, you know, how'd your family do conflict? And he said, you know, mom complained, dad zipped, you know, didn't say anything. How'd your family do affection? You know, and, you know, before you're 10 years old, you get some touch. But after that, zip, you know, I never heard I love you. Uh, affection through words, nope, zip. You know, empathy, no, none of that. Anger, sadness, and fear, vulnerability, goes, nope, just yelling. You know, appreciation, no, just birthdays and Christmas. You know, do we do forgiveness? No, we, you get the silent treatment, it'll pass. And so, all, you know, this, this was him on the inside. And so his development as a person became critical. Of course, you could imagine being married to me, a couple of kids, but he had to get on a journey for his own discipleship. And so we invested in him in his development and eventually came on staff. But if he couldn't express those kinds of uh, feelings uh, himself or be vulnerable or be uh, em- enter other people's world, if he couldn't do it to himself because he never received it, how is he going to do it with, with 1,000 kids or 500 kids or 200 kids? Uh, he, didn't even, he didn't really do feelings. So how do you do compassion? And so uh, his development as a person and his development as a pastor are going hand in hand, which is wonderful. So it's really important, of course, that we know our own vulnerabilities uh, because of the degree to which we're doing our, our own inner work as leaders, the degree to which we can help other people. But also importantly, it's a you know if we're concerned about people's formation in our, in our teams, that we know the vulnerabilities of each person on our team. Like we 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 have a sense of that. So uh, you know, in certain cases, folks who maybe don't do vulnerability or or brokenness. And the one fellow who was on our staff and very gifted, excellent teacher. And his supervisor would ask him, you know, how are you doing? Have you, how are you leading out of brokenness? How, how did you express vulnerability? Where did you fail this week? Because these weren't things that he did very naturally. Another fellow, how are you loving your spouse? You know, and making that, making him feel first in your life and how are you exerting another person? How are you supervising? How are you exerting your voice? And and, because she wasn't leading and uh, tended to be, uh, 
you know, step back and allow herself to be led by others, even though she was the leader. And so, again, we think about personal formation and, you know, their development as people being inseparable. We're helping folks grow in their own differentiation level. That is their ability, their emotional maturity to, to actually have a solid self, not a reflected self. They know who they are, what they believe, what they stand for. And thus they're able to do the difficult things like have a hard conversation with someone or lead a meeting knowing that perhaps someone in that meeting is not so excited about the direction they're taking, you know, or they can, they can hold the, their team's anxiety as some change happens or losses come and, or they're, they're, they're teachable, they're not defensive. Uh, they're able to even ask, how do you experience me? But they're, they're growing and moving their own differentiation, managing their own anxiety when they're flooded uh, and they can self-confront, they can self-reflect, they can be self-aware and uh, be thoughtful and intentional and not just run to their strengths to avoid the anxiety of life. So this, again, work and personal formation are, are just inseparable. If we're going to build a culture that's actually healthy and teams that are healthy because people aren't going to feel used, they know that I'm being developed here. Let me give you an example, one more, how this worked out. Um, I'm going to call her Jane, and uh, she uh, was. We were in the middle of a staff meeting, and kind of going around, you know, what's happening, and and she shared um, about uh, something that was not going well in, on the administrative staff, and she's in administration. But you could, I could see it across the room, and I think it was quite obvious to a number of us that she was angry, uh, and it was emotionally charged what she shared, and even though it was innocuous, the actual words herself, but. There was definitely a charge there. So make a long story short, I said, wow, this is an opportunity. She was new on staff. Um, and uh, I actually got involved because I wanted to model it to, you know, someone else who was her, actually her supervisor. Uh, it was actually a training opportunity. And so we ended up having five or six sessions with her and, and worked through a skill that we teach called ladder of integrity, but basically went to her and began to unpack in a series of meetings, you know, what's going on inside of you? Uh, uh, you know, what, what's the situation? First of all, what's the, what's the situation that's bothering you? She was very angry at another administrative staff who was allowed to volunteer in the worship band on a Sunday workday during the services, and it left her kind of in the lurch having to do two people's jobs on Sunday. And so she, the, the salute, this was enacted. They actually had a meeting about it. Uh, she agreed, but now that it was going forward, uh, she was doing double work and she was really angry and she wasn't approaching the supervisor or talking about it. She was just, she swallowed it. And so as we unpacked it through this ladder of integrity skill, uh, she began to, we invited her to do this kind of hard work about, you know, why didn't you approach the point, you know, the supervisor about it. And then she went into her whole story of her family of origin. You know, she, she was in a family where you were not to ask questions of authority, uh, the, the her parents were distant and emotionally unavailable and arbitrary and overwhelmed because they had a special needs daughter, twelve years younger than her, who was with you know some serious you know psychiatric needs, and so she was just supposed to be a caretaker and get it done and be quiet, don't ask questions. That was her whole life, and and that was a very unhealthy script. If you see a problem, jump in, fix it, and rescue it, and do not ask a question. Your needs don't matter, and so. It lives in, and so she carried these feelings for seven months toward this other administrative employee and their supervisor. Uh, and she was never going to ask a question about it. She wasn't going to approach them directly because she had this script inside her, going back to our family of origin. So, to make a long story short, we used all this ladder of integrity thing to unpack it for her. And uh, you know, her whole history was avoid people who trigger her and blame them and be angry and just carry it and avoid and distance and all that. And 
and she didn't feel safe approaching anybody in authority. But we kind of bled her through it and, and to, till she actually had a, a meeting head on with that person who was the supervisor as well as the other administrative employee. And she actually broke a family of origin script uh, and did a fantastic job of asserting herself and taking responsibility and not blaming anybody. That really was about her. And actually, she ended up, she ended up asking forgiveness uh, to the supervisor for making judgments, making assumptions, you know, basically projecting onto them uh, stuff that was not about them at all. So it was, a, it, was a, it was a tremendous moment. I mean, she grew leaps and bounds. And, but it took time, right? It took four, five, six meetings with her um, and thought, but the, the dividends it paid in terms of her own life and then all now that she's been leading, her leadership has grown and blossomed over the couple of years since then, and it's been wonderful to watch. So again, work and personal formation are inseparable. Uh, the second in the transition is that that in a healthy culture and team, elephants in the room are acknowledged and confronted. And now an elephant in the room is this kind of immature behavior, inappropriate, that nobody acknowledges or addresses. So, you know, they're, they're, they're normal to happen in cultures and teams, big elephants and small elephants. And again, small elephants develop into big elephants. And, uh, you know, my attitude for years in the early years was, hey, listen, there's an elephant here, but we got to get the job done, you know, and, and I just kind of hope it would go away, whether it was a, someone wrote a nasty email and uh, criticizing someone else and in an annoyed tone, but rather than seeing it as a culture shaping moment with them, I would just kind of avoid it and maybe just say something brief and, uh, you know, people showing up late to meetings, uh, you know, and uh, other ministries flourishing might have a gloss over that. And, uh, and so again, overlooking unacceptable behaviors. Uh, is really common in ministries. Healthy cultures don't do that and actually address it. So it really was, I mean, I think I slowly grew in it, very slowly, and I want to encourage you in that. And it really took me, I'd say, 19 years as a lead pastor to finally say, no, no, this is absolutely critical. I think I grew to a place of my own integrity of saying, we are really going to live what we're preaching here, and I am going to address the elephants in the room, and uh, honestly and respectfully and clearly. Uh, and the principle is this, the higher we go up in leadership, the greater level of maturity and integrity is required. We all, we all have a gap between our role and our soul, you know, I, a little integrity gap because we're not Jesus. At the same time, I want that gap to be lessening, not growing with time. But, I, but in a healthy culture, I'm expecting our senior leadership, especially, you know, going, in a sense, going down there and to, you know, think of a hierarchy of who's got the greatest responsibility and going downward, um, I'm expecting a, a greater level of integrity and, and I'm going to address those elephants uh, clearly and, and quickly. But I would say in 2006 uh, is when I said, that's it, you know, I'm going to, and I really started to, to do it. That's when I, 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 that's when I sometimes feel like that's when I began leading. I mean, really leading well um, is when I began to address the elephants because I, I don't like conflict. But uh, just so you know, as people step into progressively wider spheres of influence and greater responsibility, the unresolved issues in their inner lives will be exposed and their immaturity and unresolved issues of their family of origin, their trauma, their issues with authority, their faulty thinking, it's all going to reveal itself at some point. Uh, and I know you'd like to have leaders show up at your door all set uh, mature, but that's not the way it happens. We actually grow our people. So to to get rid of unwanted elephants, I I I, I what I did was I took initiative here, and, and so I moved our staff 
our, our staff, our pastoral staff, and then our administrative staff and the board uh, to a rule of life. We all have a rule of life, which is our expectations of how we're going to function as a leadership. But it's, it's in our heads. It's, it's normally not written. Uh, I've actually put it on. We actually we agree, went through a six-month process and put it on paper. Then we published it in our website around some categories, things like, you know, we're going to take one day a month uh, to be alone with Jesus as a pastoral staff. The administrative staff was one day a quarter. Uh, I'll just do the pastoral staff at this point. We're going to take a Sabbath every week. Um, you know, how we're going to do, you know, our marriages and singles, we're going to lead out of that. Uh, we're going to have a, a prayer life, you know, a, a regular solid prayer life in time in, in Scripture. We're going to have play and recreation in our lives, and we're going to manage our finances as well. And we kind of just agreed in those categories because I said, so let's get explicit about it, and then we can kind of hold each other uh, accountable. And then actually, I actually moved the membership at that point to a, a, a rule of life that was conscious about, you know, we're going to equip you. Uh, we're not going to carry you inappropriately or rescue you inappropriately. We're going to, our goal is equip you for the work of the service work, the body of Christ with Jesus the head, and, and actually move people to be a, you can be a member of our church. There's a, our expectation is just like of you in terms of walking with God, et cetera, and you can have of us. It was very healthy. And then, of course, uh, the, the, Emotionally healthy relationship skills um, became the culture. And I mean, in terms of leadership, I had to master these skills. Now, many of you are familiar with the Emotionally Healthy Relationship course. Again, it's 20 years in the, of, of 20 plus years of work uh, uh, of how we operate, how we do clean fighting, how we listen, how we speak clearly, respectfully, how we, we don't do mind reading, we clarify expectations, how we make a complaint with requests for change. Um, Etc. And so these 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 nine skills we developed, or eight skills, I'm sorry, we developed, uh, became a course that we call emotionally healthy relationships as part of the discipleship course, and and we want everyone in the church exposed to it, and we teach it. But most importantly, we as a leadership live it, and uh, we model it, and we reinforce it uh, in the culture, and uh, we're guardians of the culture. I, I see. Uh, the leadership and the board, we guard a culture. The opening story in the chapter comes out of a book named Ed Friedman. Um, uh, Edwin Friedman is, he wrote these parables. What's the name of the book? Um, it's in the, uh, I, I forget the name of the song. It's parable, Friedman's tales or stories. And um, the opening story is about the tiger in a friendly forest. And basically this tiger is in this friendly forest and he's growling and the leadership's not dealing with it. Until finally, the end of the parable is, or the, or the fictional story is, is, the issue is differentiation of the leadership to set boundaries in the culture of this tiger is inappropriate in their behavior. Uh, and it's the leadership's role to, to basically put a boundary around it. And so, again, I see the board, the leadership, we, we, are, the, we are the culture makers. And then thirdly, the third big quality is not just team and personal development, I mean, personal and job, you know, development is, is inseparable at time and then we confront elephants in the room and then thirdly we, we, we invest time and energy in the team uh, in the team's personal development and uh, I, I've always been of this conviction uh, and that is that if you can get your core leadership of you know I think your board your senior leaders I don't give your volunteer staff small church mid-sized church big your culture solid in terms of it's working, you're walking with God, um, you're living out the culture you want to bring to the larger whole, uh, 
you'll have a health, you're a healthy church. But if you're not healthy on that senior level, the culture's not healthy because, again, we're bringing influence everywhere we go. And Natural Church Development uh, actually found that, and they've been around since the uh, 1990s, and uh, they have found that if they want to study a church, doesn't matter how big it is, just give us your core 30 people and we'll evaluate their health, and that will tell us a lot about the health of the church because they will, this core will permeate the entire culture with their values and behaviors and practices and spirituality. And then there's just a natural, you know, so, so we, we focus on those few, but at the same time we recognize there's just a, and it's not necessarily elephants, we're just like um, aware that people are coming into our culture or teams and they don't have the culture we're seeking to, to embody or project out or bring to the world. So I'll give you an example, Ruth, uh, who leads, is the executive director of Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. She had been in our church for 10 years. She had actually been through an intensive Emotionally Healthy Discipleship course. Uh, but she had spent her whole marketplace career, probably 30 years, working for Estee Lauder, you know, a Fortune 500 company in the corporate world in the marketplace. Very effective, highly skilled. She's a tremendous executive, executive director, but she'd never worked in a you know, church environment, a nonprofit environment. So she had to learn Part of her development, and we had to be very intentional about it, was it's one thing to live some of these skills out and, and, and values out um, as a member of the church. It's another thing to lead a, a ministry, a major ministry on our behalf. And so she had to learn about discernment. What is God saying? And, and how, do, how do we integrate limits into our, uh, you know, into our decision making? Uh, we're not about profit. We're about, you know, God's will. We're about, you know, impact for him. And uh, so it was a process for her uh, slowly, and now she's amazing, but we knew it had to get, the, our values of EH discipleship had to get in her leadership, which they, she'd been formed by the corporate world. It hadn't been an integration of her spirituality and her leadership, effective leader as she was. And so once she did, now she's able to bring it to everyone who reports to her. Uh, and so what that means also to invest in the team's personal development is that when we're doing, say, planning retreats or strategic meetings, we'll take a fourth or a third or a half of that meeting to just deal with personal development. Uh, and in particular, focusing on, you know, what we, uh, there, we do out of our being. We do out of a deep being with him. And so whether we're reading a book together or watching a video or bringing a speaker in or a scripture study, it normally has that theme of, we do out of a deep being grounding in Jesus. And so we put time, money, and energy into that. And then just finally, last big core quality building healthy culture is uh, that, that we really care about people's marriages and their singleness, that the quality of that is foundational. This is gigantic. And so we're going to ask people who are, you know, in key leadership positions, you know, how, how's your, how are you doing with Jesus? How's that going? How are your rhythms of doing and being? But secondly is, how's your marriage or how's your singleness? It's part of our supervision, part of our relationship. It's part of the culture. And uh, so uh, because if the spouse and the marriage isn't going well, that is a huge yellow light, and we're going to address it and make some adjustments. And we want everyone working and growing, not just in their relationship with Jesus, but in their relationship as marriage and singles. And uh, as it, I, I think I give the example in the book of we hired Red, uh, one of our, you know, staff, and I said to him and his wife, I said, you, you, your, your spouse is feeling lonely and miserable, and uh, we'll fire you, and uh, because you're going to model and lead out of your your marriage, and and this is just everybody. This is why we developed the whole emotionally healthy discipleship course. Was was we, we had to figure out a way to how do we build a, a wide culture, um, 
in a church that had grown quite large. And that's why we developed and put this into a course with two part one and part two. Uh, and then the leadership role is to embody what we're teaching and to in reinforce the culture, like clean fighting and Sabbath and how we do grief and love and stop mind reading. And so again, you, I want to invite you, if you're going to build culture long-term, you will find what we have found as well as hundreds and hundreds of other churches have found that you, you need to bring in some kind of a pillar. It's not a program, it's a culture uh, to begin to change the culture in your church. So I like to come in two angles. One, we deal with leadership, then we come bottom up and deal with discipleship. So I would encourage you, you know, our next live stream training is going to be August 29th. Uh, it's on a Thursday. It's called Master the Launch of the EH Discipleship Course. Uh, and hopefully in a couple of weeks, we're going to be offering the downloadable training as well uh, on our website. So if you're on our mailing list, you'll find out about that. All right, let me just close, even though my time is up, with five quick FAQs that come up a lot around culture and team building. First is this. Pete, I inherited an unhealthy culture. Uh, my response is yes. Um, unless you founded the place, like I founded our church. So I brought in the unhealthy culture. I had to change, all right? Still had to change it slow. But uh, yes, uh, you need to go slow. Culture changes very slowly. Uh, you need to get a good theology of grief and loss because change brings grief and loss. And so you just got to just give people time to feel, to wait on the Lord, to be confused, so, so the new comes. And God is in the slow process. Uh, he loves human beings. We're not pushing them, driving them. And uh, you want to see it's a, it's a multi-year effort to build healthy culture. I mean, I, I, had turn, I had to turn around the culture I planted. It took me years. And I was the founder. Uh, but I think that is our leadership. Number two is I'm not the point leader, Pete. Uh, I can't change the culture. And I'd say, well, yes, but you can be the culture you want to see there. You can be supportive, uh, submissive, uh, asserting yourself appropriately uh, as appropriate. But you're, And then you build the team you're building. Uh, you model what you're talking about. You, you actually live it out with your team. And then I've seen it over and over again. That, that, that just has a permeating effect and blesses the larger whole. But folks who are patient and not perhaps the point leader, uh, over time have had a tremendous effect in many, many cases. Thirdly, is my parachurch has a long history and it's very driven, and some of it's very negative legacies. And what do I do? And I say, well, number one is you want to find out, discern what are the positive legacies that God birthed that ministry in the first place. You want, what's the anointing of, of God on that ministry? You want to learn it, support it, affirm it, and respect it. And then slowly, by the grace of God, you're a gift. And so, yes, every parachurch and every church has a negative, negative culture and legacies that we all kind of inherit. And so you want to say, listen, what, what, what's, you want, you're a gift. God sent you there. And how can you offer that to, your, uh, to them slowly and appropriately and respectfully? Number fourth, FAQ. What, what if I'm trying to address something and the, the person leading the meeting doesn't get it? In other words, I, I, um, I'm trying to address, I'm sorry. The question is this, what if I'm trying to address something with somebody on my team and I'm talking to them, but they're not getting it, they're not changing? Things like showing up late, et cetera. They're not following through on their job. Now, sometimes the philosophy of ministry of people on our teams is different than us, and that's very difficult. I want to, you want to ask questions, you want to be clear, but the issue of them not changing may actually be your differentiation. Now, the issue is your own leadership, and there are times when the person doesn't belong on our team anymore. They definitely have a different calling or philosophy of ministry, and it's okay. And sometimes there are really hard conversations to be had, uh, and I've had them. They're painful, and I was mad at 
people on my team for not changing. Why didn't they get the hint? Uh, but they're not. And uh, really, it's about your, you and what is God called you to do and be. And if you're leading that team, uh, you probably need to have a very hard conversation with that person after three, four, five attempts. Then final question is, what if the person running the team that I'm on is unaware of the elephants in the room? Uh, it's obvious to me and a few others of us, do I talk with them? Well, I can't answer that specifically because I don't know the, the specifics of your team, but I would say uh, respectfully, kindly, uh, appealing like da Daniel did to his authority figure in Daniel chapter one, uh, I would definitely go talk to them and bring it up, uh, but in a very non-judgmental, non-reactive way as a servant of that person uh, and as a team member. But make sure your heart's right before you go do that, lest you cause havoc. So that's it for today, everybody. It's been a great pleasure to be with you on this podcast, Culture and Team Building. Look forward to be with you next week as we talk about power and wise boundaries. Visit us at www.emotionallyhealthy.org. Pick up that ebook on slash church culture. And God bless you, everybody. You have a wonderful day. It's been a joy to be with you. Take care.